0: Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store,
1: Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone 15 dollars no a month after 2250 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining miles to Unlimited basic after 630-20, pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data prioritization during congestion, speed maximums, use rules and restrictions apply.
0: Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store,
1: Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 no a month after 22 dollars a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining miles due. Unlimited basic after 6 dollars Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay. Data prioritization during congestion, speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.
0: Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Coming live from a tornado down in Texas is Armand Kafai. Armand. Man on the ground. What are the scenes like?
2: Dude, it's black outside. I didn't know what was going on. I just got a bzzz from my phone and uh <laughs> and you it uh sounds like there's some like a, a nader outside. Um but I'm here for our loyal listeners and our number one fans. Um if I get sucked up by this tornado, I just wanna let you all know to follow me on Twitter at Armand <laughs> for all my takes. And, Check out your uh, mixtape on SoundCloud. Uh, um, I'll, I'll send out my phone number and a tweet later on. Y'all can text me uh, best wishes because uh, it's pretty black outside. and This thing is coming towards me. So um, Loyalty. Yeah, might, 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 be a, might be a really fun time. But no, um, I want to give a shout out to Away Days before I freaking get sucked <laughs> up by his tornado. Um, use promo code Uncle Sam for 15% <laughs> off. I actually need to buy an Away Days jersey. Hopefully, i
0: get sucked up and put in Narnia. With us is Jake Watroba in Minnesota. What's up, Jake? We haven't done one of these shows where it's the uh, three of us.
1: No, I, I don't think we've done one except for that uh, 10 to 15 minute segment on the USSF uh, presidential election live show. Right. So, Bro, do y'all hear that siren? <laughs> <laughs> do y'all hear that siren?
0: Dude, it's loud. Okay. What the hell? Anyway, on today's show, we're talking U.S. soccer. No, we got some hot takes. We're going to discuss Zlatan Ibrahimovic, CONCACAF Champions League, and Bruce Arena's new book. You'll also be listening to the interview I did with Brian Ching. We talked about the changes in MLS during his time, his 12 seasons, as well as where's MLS going. And then finally, what is Pitch 25? Listen to the interview to find out. But let's begin with Armand and the CONCACAF Champions League because you've been absolutely all over this on Twitter at Armancafai. Uh Before you get sucked away, it looks like Toronto FC is going to get there, but with the Red Bulls, the team that you said has a real chance to get there, you think they can overcome after what we saw Wednesday night?
2: Well, first off, I want to say that Toronto's job is not done yet. America, man, it's kind of hard to say this from just sirens in the background. <laughs>
0: I know. We uh, hear the sirens I'm, now. We do.
2: All right. Nice, nice, nice. This is going to be great, great, great drama. Um, Red Bull, or sorry, Toronto's job is not done yet. They allowed that away goal, which sucks, and they showed signs of weakness. They got that, that 3-1 win. It's a pretty big result, and they looked really confident. But going to Azteca and Altitude and... Against a team like América, who's very strong, it's going to be a very, very tough, tough atmosphere as well. We saw El Piojo Miguel Herrera talk about how the Toronto FC players, or I'm sorry, Toronto police hit the América players, which every other party disputed. But it should rile up some fans that don't really care what the other people say. So it should be a really rowdy atmosphere. As for the Red Bulls, I do think they have a real shot. They only lost 1-0. Man, that's the sirens are really bothering me. Um, they lost <laughs> 1-0 to Chivas on the road, which I mean I thought was a pretty fine performance. Like, knowing the circumstances, they kind of played for a relatively close loss, and they could have had one. Bradley Wright Phillips had a chance, but it was saved uh, by I think Cote. So I mean, they Red Bulls do have a chance to advance and move on. It's not over yet, but I think they'll face a hostile environment at Red Bull Arena. Even lost their home because we all know how Chivas fans follow. They're crazy.
0: Hey, can you- well, listeners, Armand got sucked away by the tornado. Jake, uh, regarding the Champions <laughs> League, how excited are you for the potential of you know Toronto going to this final? Because it seems like they're more in the driver's seat than Red Bulls are for concerning MLS. I mean-
1: I'm excited about it, but I, I think you know. I cautioned earlier in the week uh, when you know the three of us were texting. Uh, Toronto almost blew that that uh, quarterfinal match uh, with Tigres. Yes. Um. So I don't think they're I don't think they're out of the woods yet. Uh, especially going to uh, America to play at the Azteca, I, a, a two goal lead. I, I don't think it's safe.
0: Armand, is do you think that too? Absolutely. I mean
2: think about it. It's Liga MX. Liga MX is better than MLS. America is one of the top teams in Liga Mekis. Toronto is a top team in MLS. We know that. We've seen that. We see the way they play. They play confident. I mean, man, the way Marky Delgado played on Tuesday, like a round of applause. It was a brilliant performance from a guy who I think makes Toronto's midfield work and run. But man, it's, again, it's Liga Mekis, it's America. You're playing at Azteca. It's going to be a hostile environment. Anything can happen. And Jake's right. We did see Toronto almost blow that lead against Tigres towards the end of the match. Man, if you saw that and the fact that they're going away for this leg, it does make you a little bit nervous. You can't say it's in the bag. You can't say, oh, we're going to be but ready
0: to go, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't it's, the- I,
2: don't think, I don't think you can.
0: But the, the matchup against Tigres, was that not a learning experience for Toronto? Could you not say, look, they've had that moment. Now they're going to be more prepared. I mean, they're going to play at Aztec, and that's at altitude. Josie Altador and Michael Bradley have experience. But what about the rest of the squad? I think that's a huge factor no, exactly. that nobody's the, talking yeah, about. The
2: rest, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's going to come up. But yeah, the rest of the squad doesn't really have that experience in playing in in that Sort of altitude is
0: tough. I mean, we've heard experiences from men's national team players. Wait, I actually, I, and I, what I, I, I take it back because players do have experience of playing at altitude with or going to Colorado and to some degree. But it's not as bad. Into, it's not as big no. as
2: I mean, you've seen, you've seen teams train. Uh, Roland, uh, the men's national team as a friendly or is preparing for Mexico, they usually do play at uh, dig Sporting Good Park. Uh, in Colorado to prepare for that. But at the same time, I still think it's almost apples and oranges compared to, first off, Aztec is monstrous. It's monstrous. It's not going to be like 80,000 people like screaming like the, excuse me, U.S.-Mexico games, but it's still going to be a hostile enough environment to where it's still something where you have to take into an account, especially with the quality of uh, America. I mean, we did see we, – we you saw the individual goals, a brilliant goal, Rio Peralta. Um, didn't do that much, but again, that team has the potential to do a lot more damage. I think they're really, really pissed off, especially after what happened in leg one.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, to, to me, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I'm not going to be shocked if America wins this one, like you guys alluded to too, about the Azteca, which I don't know if this is really being, uh, talked about as much is playing at altitude at Azteca that's gonna take a toll on all those guys that aren't named uh, Josie Altador and Michael Bradley. and I think another thing that's not being talked about either is the air quality in Mexico City too, which I think could have uh, could have some effect on the uh, Toronto FC players. and not to mention too, I don't think that that environment, man, that is going to be a hostile environment there that is gonna be like nothing they're ever gonna they've seen in in MLS. So I, I guess I'll be curious to see how they rebound. I'm more confident that red bull will will beat chivas then toronto will beat america
0: really i mean i I can see your point jake but my issue is i think toronto have the experience they play tigris they played a squad that is better than club america they are tigris is a better uh, squad so uh, as far as it comes to the game itself i think toronto will be fine The big issue is what type of squad will Club America come? Will they be the more more desperate squad? Will they really press the issue? Will they have the fans on their side? And will they be motivated? I I think Liga MX has underrated the the drive from other than... Colorado, the drive of MLS in this Champions League. The Red Bulls, Seattle, and Toronto. Really taking the bull by by the horns and saying, you know what, we're going to go after this. This is, I think, the first time where you see more of a motivation from MLS and Liga MX thinking, oh, well, MLS hasn't done anything in in the past. We can just, you know, skip our way to the final.
1: For sure, for sure. And I think that also probably what this, the success of MLS during this competition, minus Dallas and Colorado, I think, you know, just the quality of MLS too has gotten, has gotten better um, as well. Like you said, you know, the MLS really hasn't done too much in this competition. I know Montreal Impact, uh, I think they made it to the semifinals a, a few years ago, but... Final. Final. There you go. Um, I stand corrected. I just think the quality of MLS has caught up a little bit to Liga MX. Granted, I don't, th- I don't think it's, I still think there's a pretty sizable gap, uh, and I, maybe, Stephen, you are right that some of these clubs out of Mexico are, I guess if you want to say, playing down to their opponent some and kind of think, ah, oh, it's MLS, their season's just started, you know, they're, it's kind of, quote-unquote, uh, preseason to them. Uh, we don't need to necessarily take them seriously, and I mean, it's 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 nice to see that a team like Toronto and a team like uh, Red Bull are, you know... They're actually they're showing that they actually care about winning this competition, as opposed to Colorado, who just were like, "Hey, it we're here. We're just gonna play. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna play a couple matches, and uh, we'll get on with the MLS regular season." So, uh, no, I yeah, you're right. It there there might be a little bit of Liga MX playing down to MLS, uh, but I also think that the quality of MLS has has gotten a little bit better over the last couple of years.
2: One thing, one thing, yeah, one thing I wanted to mention is that the Liga Mekki sides will have to play matches. Uh, MLS has uh, put in some scheduling favors for Toronto and for Red Bulls, allowing their games to be moved in preparation for, I think, the second leg of these matches. So they'll have off, they'll have a week off, and they'll be ready to go. The Liga Mekki sides have to play uh, games over the, over the weekend, and it's it's tough. It's the reality. I mean, it's a little benefit for the MLS sides In my eyes, I do agree with Jake. I do think Red Bulls do have a better chance, I guess, of advancing. I don't know. They gotta come out a little better than they did last last game. They're on the back foot. Hopefully, it changes when they're at quote unquote home, which I mean, I expect it to be predominantly Chivas fans. It's it should be it should be a fun encounter. But Jake's also right in terms of the quality of MLS getting better i mean we we see it you see toronto just not manhandling but putting on a confident good shift that makes you think damn they do belong in the semifinal final of cco and it wasn't luck that they got there it was how good the team is and i think that's a narrative that's slowly starting to change and hopefully will be changing in the coming uh years
0: and again i wouldn't be surprised if we saw an all-om almost final either well, we will see. Speaking of talent in the league, Slatan Ibrahimovic made his debut. We all know it. The goal oh my god, hurt around the world, pretty much. The header to win it. Was it offsides? Was it onside? Who cares? The question is, what type of impact is he going to make to Major League Soccer? And he's obviously older. Uh, in the interview with Brian Ching, he actually alludes to the fact that he wouldn't be surprised if Ibrahimovic has some growing pains. MLS is very unique because of the travel demands that you put on these bodies through the time zones. You're not traveling one to two hours. You're traveling at least, in most cases, probably three hours. You're flying quite a bit, so it'll be interesting to see that. But what type of impact, boys, do you think Ebro is going to make on this league? I
1: think MLS is, with this signing, is kind of towing a dangerous line, to be honest with you. And I... I let me start off by saying I I am really excited about Ibrahimovic, Ibrahimovic being in MLS. However, I feel like the MLS detractors, the naysayers, the haters, whatever you want to call them, uh, I think this is fuel to their fire because if Zlatan comes in and he scores thirty goals and just makes a joke basically of MLS backlines, you're gonna have your you know quote-unquote euro snobs who will say see mls isn't good look at 36 years old that used to be yeah that's you (laughs) Zlatan comes in you know he scores 30 goals he misses you know the first month of the year and yeah see he's 36 coming off an acl tier league's bad i I, I think that is that that is the uh, the dangerous line mls is towing here is i think they think they can get they're they're going to use zlatan to get those fans to kind of start watching mls but i think it 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 might turn
0: into pushing them away f- further. I I I get it. The thing is with Ibra is he he brings a personality I don't think we've seen to the league. The I think the big question we should be asking is, is this David Beckham 2.0? Forget Kaká. Forget David via Thierry Henry. Bastian Swinstein. This is bigger, though. I think. This is way bigger. But this is different. Uh, to put it in perspective, over the weekend, the number six YouTube video trending in the U.S. Sunday night was Ibra's goal. I've never seen a MLS goal be the number six trending video on YouTube. The other I mean, night- you're right, Steven. I mean, you're you know you're you're right. And I, just
2: to interrupt you, I was actually on a call with uh, one of my friends who I, I would say has never watched a soccer game in his life, and I was telling him a story. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I mentioned Zlatan's name. He's like, oh, that guy signed for the Galaxy. And I was like, wait, how do you know this guy? He's like, he's been all over social, social media, all over ESPN. Have you guys seen it? He was on SportsCenter a couple nights ago. Yeah. Just, just, just bantering away. I've seen more of his highlight, his goal on SportsCenter, uh, wherever, ESPN networks, Fox Sports, everywhere plastered where I'm at the gym when I'm at home when I'm at college people saying did you guys see Ebro's debut I've gotten texts about it left and right this is something that I would say I would argue is either on pay with Beckham's hype or even greater because of where MLS is right okay. now it gonna, might be even greater
0: I'm gonna interrupt you because we're gonna put some numbers on this I, I was curious to know what type of influence David Beckham really made in MLS. I'm reading uh, from Reuters, March 2015, Mark Laporte Stokes. Since 2006, MLS has expanded from 12 teams to 20, and the average attendance grew by over 3,000 during Beckham's era in MLS. Now, do you think 3,000 is going to be... The growth we see with Ibra, I think it's going to be even bigger. I think Ibra Imovic brings – if you love soccer and Ibra's coming, it is borderline stupid not to go. You're a stupid soccer fan if you it's don't
2: must, it's a must watch. It's a must-watch game. The amount of texts I've gotten from people who played, i played soccer with in high school and in college have been – are you going to the FC Dallas versus uh, LA Galaxy game? Watch Ibra. You want to get tickets? Well, I mean, too bad for them. I have credentials, but um, they're like, oh, do you have, do you do you want to get do you want to get tickets? And tickets have jumped from twenty to forty when Ibra was announced signed to the Galaxy. To as I'm talking about as soon as that second goal was scored, to about 65 dollars for starting the lowest price. It is insane
0: wasn't the hype th- around Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wasn't the I, I don't remember this, but wasn't the LAFC, LA Galaxy trending on Twitter? It was like the most talked about thing for a moment there over something else. It
2: had to be. It was. It was. It was. It was over to, uh, it was the most talked about thing over, I think, the, that next couple of days, even more than the Final Four that was going on, uh, that w- went on later on in the night. I mean, I don't know about you or Steven or Jake, but guys, I've rewatched that video so many times of him scoring that goal and – I've had people just come up to me and say it was, just, it was a it was a beautiful goal. I've had random people just come up to me and, and ask for I mean what I what I thought. I've never had this. Like it's such a bizarre thing. It's 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 unbelievable. It's not people who just watch these it's people who've seen the highlights who are like, maybe I'll tune in and watch a soccer game now. That's the impact Zlatan's gonna have. That goal was tremendous. I mean you can't even argue anything else. That goal was I know, but an absolute I, I can't put in words.
0: Jake, I mean you, you as someone who's newer to soccer, do you remember David Beckham having an impact in in what you were watching?
1: (laughs) It's funny. It's funny you should say that because I remember when David Beckham came to MLS, and I think it was right after I graduated high school. And keep in mind, and this was you know nine. 10 years ago, however many years ago it was when Beck came, Beckham came to MLS. I was anti-soccer. I didn't care about it, whatever. Um, and I just remember watching sports center and be, you know, and it was like David Beckham's first game or second game or whatever. And it's like, he didn't score. And I kind of thought, well, this is dumb. Like they bring in David Beckham. He didn't score. Like what, what's the big deal. <laughs> and now it's like, and it's like as casual soccer, I'm not, I, then I wouldn't even call myself casual soccer guy. Um, but it's like for somebody who was the casual soccer person and they're like, oh, let's check out MLS. David Beckham's playing and he's not scoring goals. Well, why would you keep watching? You know what I mean? Now you have Zlatan who is a, uh, a, goal a scorer. Man, he, he's a goal. Scorer. Yeah, you're right. He is a he is a goal scorer, uh, the truest definition of a goal scorer. And he's this big dude, too. Like He is going to score so many goals in so many different ways, too. Uh, and I think that is what's going to draw people in is go, I'm going to watch on maybe score a hat-trick today because he can do it. And he's he ha- has the pedigree and shows that he he can do it. So that's why I think this is bigger than Beckham. He may not be the name,
0: you know, like David Beckham. And well, David, David – sorry, Jake, but David Beckham's name, I think, is greater with neutrals. Ibra's name is so much bigger with the soccer community. The issue is – there is such a big soccer community here in America that is non-MLS. That's what – I think Ibra attracts the non-MLS soccer fans more so than David Beckham. Uh more so than David Beckham did with neutrals. I think neutrals were more interested Beckham than Ibra.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think you're I think you're right. I mean I, I mean I had some tickets last year to uh Minnesota United and I can't I can tell you like I was giddy to see, like, Clint Dempsey play, so I can't like, – <laughs> fingers crossed that. Clint I mean, Dempsey it was, was the brutal. guy that you wanted yeah, to see?
0: Was, well, I'm I,
1: disappointed, Jake. <laughs> yeah, come on. No, I mean – Bastian Schweinsteiger? No, we didn't play – fire didn't come to Minnesota last year. Oh, okay. So um, I was – like, Kaka didn't come to Minnesota because he was playing on turf. We didn't play New York City FC in Minnesota. Uh, didn't play Toronto either. So it's like, all right, I guess circle my calendar. <laughs> Saunders and clint dempsey that's what i'm getting excited for and uh it's like now it's like oh damn zlatan might be here I, I think they play the galaxy in minnesota beginning of october late september fingers crossed he plays i'm not sure if he's they're gonna keep him out because we play on turf up here but i mean you're right I, the casual like the the guy who you know european soccer fan guy might actually come out to an mls game now and just to see zlatan
0: well, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. No, it, it's definitely interesting because I'm looking at numbers here, and the Week 5 average for the attendance in MLS was about 20,000, and this is from uh, SoccerStadiumDigest.com. Dot dot now, let, let's take the Revolution, for example. They last year – I'm going to use last year's numbers because this past the, – the Week 5 numbers – regarding attendance is not fair because the weather was really bad and i think bad weather definitely takes people out so let's take the numbers of 2017 i'm going to ask you guys how much more fans? if do you think it'll be a sellout portland averaged 21,000. that's pretty much i think a sold out arena there but how much hotter will that ticket be when la visits uh portland uh, what do you mean in terms of hotter? I mean... Do you think the attendance will in increase? Portland? Do you think in the Portland. playing in Portland when LA visits? Do you no, think
2: because Portland sells out their games regardless.
0: Okay, that, yeah, not, that's that's what I'm saying. Not, yeah. But if Portland could expand their stadium to, say, 40,000, do you think they would sell out 40,000 because Ibra's there?
2: I mean, I would almost argue that Portland's so soccer crazy they could almost sell every game I think that's a bad example sorry it's hailing guys I'm like, really get confused it's pretty loud hail <laughs> oh my car' gonna get screwed holy hell this is loud
1: um, <laughs> we could hear that listeners if you didn't know Armand did survive hope you got full coverage I guess i'll I'll, I'll take over <laughs> this questions while Armand uh, deals with this uh ha- hailstorm thing um I don't know how fans will come out to uh to Matt free stadium there with the whole relocation thing going on with slot I'm sure they'll see, definitely see a bump. I don't know if they'd sell it out though, just because I feel like they're, it, you have fans that are boycotting that team. Um, but they, they would, I, yeah, I think they would see a bump if slot played in Columbus. Um, I mean, I think you'll see a bump anywhere that, that's not, you know, a Seattle or Portland or Atlanta or Orlando. They'll see, they'll see a, a good attendance bump. But so,
0: but let's continue through the bottom part of of this, you know, 2017 average. FC God. Dallas had 15,000. Armand was just talking about how hot the tickets are. That's definitely going to see a bump. Colorado, it's
2: gonna 100, and you might even see more. They might start selling standing only tickets too, like they do for playoff games. So I wouldn't be surprised. Colorado, again, great example. I mean, on that Columbus note, as I'm like, my house is getting pelted by hail. <laughs> um on that Columbus note I do think it will sell out man don't uh, don't forget I think it was wow uh, Michigan Stadium uh was it where Man United sold sold out the entire stadium
0: Real Madrid Man United yeah. it was Real Madrid I against mean, somebody there
2: you, there you go like and what M- is not that far from Ohio, Yeah but right? that's that's that but and man, people, people com- are going to
1: go out people are going to come out I I 100% believe people will come out but
2: you're comparing
1: go. you're comparing Man United and Real Madrid to Zlatan. Like but but here's the thing, but here's the thing,
2: those are people you're going to attract. You're not going to attract like, oh, the the hard the, hard, the, the hardcore MLS guy. I mean, whatever, they they're probably still going to boycott the crew. I mean, they're, they're, they're if you look at those fans, you're going to attract those fans to watch Zlatan play. Those are the kind of fans that are going to come watch Zlatan I play. I think the I question don't... is, can you convert those guys
0: to full-time MLS? Sure. Fans? I, I That's the question. I I agree, but I think if you look at, if you're going to look at attendance, you're going to see an increase this, this year, you're going to see a more of an increase than you've seen in previous years. I just think as a percentage, you'll see an increase because Ibra commands that ticket. It is much watched. I don't want it's hard for somebody who's stuck here in Madison. I, I, if, if. The closest game is either Chicago or Minnesota.
1: I mean, Hey, you're I, getting a USL club here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, and that will be exciting. But it's going to be really exciting to watch Ibra and selling out tickets. I mean, it, the thing I, th- I think the biggest advantage is if you attract that neutral or that soccer fan is not invested in MLS, you go out to a sold-out arena – it's going to be impressive. You're like, wow, this is what MLS is. Now, they're probably not going to realize that it's not because a lot of people are, are just like that person who's <laughs> coming to watch EBRA. But think about it. Like, if the stadium's packed, you're going to want to come back again because it's just a neat experience. MLS and soccer is just different when it comes to culture regarding fans. It's not NFL where you sit there and just scream at the top of your lungs, it's not basketball where it's clap. And you know, yell out defense. It's not baseball where you sit there and you're stuck on your phone, and then you have to look up every once in a while because a baseball was hit. It's it's different.
1: No, you're right. And and to kind of expand on your point, uh, I I think going to a sold out MLS game is way more fun. I enjoy it so much more than going to. Um, a sold-out NBA game or a hockey game. I just feel like there's a different atmosphere. Um, you know, I, I'm i not somebody who really cares for crowds, so to me it's like, you know, going to a baseball game, going to a Twins game up here in Minnesota or a Timberwolves game when those teams were bad. It was kind of nice because, it's like, no one's around. You kind of can, like, spread out, you know, and just kind of enjoy yourself. And now it's like, now oh, they're good again, so the stadiums are packed. But I, I just think that it's – yeah, you're right. That atmosphere in an MLS stadium, maybe that does attract a couple of those uh, – "Quote unquote Euro snobs to you know come back for another game and you know and and that and that's how I mean maybe you're right maybe this Zlatan thing helps build up you know other fan bases and stuff like that absolutely uh, we'll have to wait and see I'm I'm still a little skeptical on it though
0: we'll see Armand you give the final uh, I'll give you the final word before we move on to Bruce Arena
2: I've said this to many people and man you can call me crazy I do think Zlatan will be bigger than David Beckham. It's 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 just a it's just a big cultural phenomenon, especially with Zlatan coming in. He's one of those guys that you know he's not the brand that David Beckham was, you know, with his underwear or where whatever David Beckham had, and you know, uh, Victoria Beckham too. But man, he brings firepower and he brings fun to the league. And Jake, I understand when you came from when you said that this guy, you know, he's going to tear apart defenses and people are going to be like, "Wow, MLS sucks." But let's not forget. I was looking at this around a year ago, maybe even a year ago today. I think it might have been a year ago today. You actually saw Zlatan score in a Premier League match. Yep. Against, I think, maybe it was Everton. I don't remember off the top of my head. But he scored, and he scored again before he got injured. This is a guy who's one year removed, obviously the bad knee injury, but from scoring a Premier League match. This guy's talent, I don't think, is matched by many in MLS. It's bigger than Drogba. Uh, in terms of the impact he'll make he made on the made field, he made the
0: move to MLS. I there you go. Those.
2: It, he was he was dominant. He played a he was a very powerful and good player for uh, the impact. It's can, gonna be bigger than I think even Villa, but Villa uh, made a did, huge impact but, in the NYCFC.
0: Sure, but here's the
2: thing on the I, field. is What I mean,
0: it's Beckham one, and then at the moment, Ibra two, and then you could list out whoever you want after that. David <laughs> Villa me, has had a huge impact on the field. Ebra brings a personality unlike David Beckham. It's the personality that Ebra goes to Center, and it's fantastic to watch. It's the personality when it comes to the commercials. It's the personality on the field. I mean, do you guys... Before he scored the winner, did you see that little ball he kicked towards, I think it was Carlos Vela on the ground?
2: Yep, yep, yep. And he was talking, talking some... Trash or whatever mass, he was yeah. doing. Yeah, so yeah.
0: that that's what... Ibra brings that David Beckham, Beckham didn't. But who knows? All right, Jake, let's talk about I, I, Bruce I, I, Arena. Unless I you... have one more question on Zlatan, actually, for both of you guys. Okay.
1: okay. I just want to get your takes. If Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo did not play in this era, okay? How much bigger of a deal would it be that. Because, I mean, Zlatan would conceivably probably be the best player on, on the planet, right? If, if, if we didn't have Messi, we didn't have Ronaldo, would, would, would you guys agree with that? Um. Oof. No, I
2: wouldn't. Neymar, because his, his his injury, his, his. I mean, if
1: you were okay, like five I mean, years ago, five years ago.
0: He. The thing is, I honestly don't remember Ibra being that big of a name before the after Barcelona. He I, he started to pop up on my radar, but it's really a PSG where he made the name. Because again, going to PSG for Ibra was a risk. Because he was, he wanted going to France was a risk because French football had fallen apart pretty much, and PSG were trying to rebuild. So by bringing Ibra in, they were attracting. They were attracting not only a name, but they were also hoping other players would follow suit, and, they, and that ended up happening. Now you have Neymar there. Um, Jake, it's a very good question. I just don't know where Ibra ranks. The problem is when it comes to soccer personalities, you have the big three with. Uh, Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar. Ibra's on that list of top ten when it comes to soccer personalities. Who else would you put up there?
1: Well, I don't know. I guess the question I was trying to ask is: Would this be a bigger deal if those two weren't playing in in this era right now? Would people go, "Oh my god!" Like Zlatan Ibrahimovic? I mean, people are already doing that, but would you see more of that? Like, wow, we just attracted one of the three best players in the world to MLS, or you know what I mean? I, I guess that's what I'm I, I, what I'm curious about is if. Messi and Ronaldo kind of take away from how good Zlatan is.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, all right, let, let's get to Bruce Arena quickly because we have to comment on what's going on there in his book. Jake, tell, fill us fill in the gaps.
1: All right, so uh, I don't know if you guys uh, read the Washington Post story by Stephen Goff about uh, Bruce Arena's new book, which is titled "What's Wrong with uh, Us." A Coach's Blunt Take on the State of American Soccer After a Lifetime on the Touchline. It'll go on sale on June 12th for anybody who's (laughs) Who's interested interested in reading that. that. Uh, If you can tell by the tone of my voice, I am not going to be purchasing this book. Uh, But anyway, uh, so in this book, Bruce Arena essentially goes into detail about his time as, uh, was he the interim manager or was he just, the? I guess he was probably just the manager, uh, during this uh, past World Cup cycle to uh, you know, qualify to CONCACAF, and he talks about how six months prior to being hired, he uh, was in negotiations with U.S. Soccer, uh, you know, to take over for Jurgen Klinsmann. That Jurgen was supposed to be fired before Copa America, and then uh, Simeone Galati, you know, kind of chickened out, if you will, and got a little nervous um what do you guys what do you guys think about this
2: to add a little bit more onto what what jake said part of the decision why the decision wasn't made was because dan Flynn had an emergency procedure uh to fix something uh in his heart and that's unacceptable if you believe that there's going to be a massive decision made and you believe that they need to make one if you're Whoever's in charge of the the firing or hiring the coaches or whatever, you cannot let one person not being there dictate the whole thing. And also, it's kind of funny how that comes out after the the fact, you know? It's kind of like Arena is just like, you know, it really wasn't my fault. I didn't have that much time. been put me in a six-point gap in the easiest qualifying. But you know, it wasn't my fault. I think it's first of all inexcusable from USSF. I think Bruce Arena doesn't get what he what the magnitude of what he did in not having to make a World Cup. He went on Fox, haha, we could have done so much. We, I didn't, I wouldn't change a thing. He says the same thing in the
0: book. This guy's using all this as a publicity. He's, he's a clown. His this guys, a, this guy's a clown. His legacy is forever stained, and it's it's over. I I'm so tired of him. That's the issue. He doesn't realize. That he is the reason to blame. He had eight games to figure out. And who cares about the previous seven games? If you had gotten a freaking draw against Trinidad and Tobago, we'd not be in this conversation at this moment. And that book would have never been written. It would have been a blip on the radar. Yeah, they struggled through qualifying. Who cares? They got there. It's all about the World Cup now. What did we say with Mexico in 2014? They barely squeaked by to get to the World Cup, and if it weren't for an Iron Robin uh, dive, who knows? They could have been in the quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, and to uh, you know, going a little bit more depth about this book, I had—I don't know if this this quote kind of bothers me from Arena. I don't—I'll read it to you guys here. Uh, Arena writes: I had trouble watching the Costa Rica game. Seriously. It was uncomfortable for me to see the U.S. team playing that way, out of sync and at odds with one another, looking as though they didn't really care all that much. Those back-to-back losses were a fiasco for U.S. soccer, and no matter how much blame lay at Klinsman's feet, it was clear he'd coached his last game for the U.S. That quote, just the whole, they looked uncomfortable, you know, basically kind of ripping the team... Did he not see his own team playing in those matches leading up to Trinidad and Tobago? Did he no, not have a
0: problem with how
2: they were out of sync? Yeah, he didn't. I mean,
1: the problem is
2: with Arena is he doesn't get it. It it's is he doesn't get it. He doesn't get the magnitude of what he's done. And when we look back, it might be a bigger deal. When we look back in the in the future, and we're like. Damn, we missed the World Cup in 2018, and we couldn't get a draw to Trinidad and freaking Tobago. This guy's making money off books, TV. This guy's fine. But he doesn't get it. He, it's, it doesn't get it. It's, he can do anything for the money, but in everyone's eyes, maybe except for some people who are like massive. LA, well, his MLS career is fine, but national team wise, I don't care about what he didn't owe to I really don't because in 2018 he didn't get he didn't get you to the World Cup. And I think that's a bigger failure that can only be overcome by you winning the World Cup
0: do you think he gets rehired by an MLS side or hired no. not rehired but hired yes do you really? I think
2: so but but I don't think he will uh look to get a job uh in the I don't think he will because he's making what plenty of money of all this stuff was this guy this guy you think this guy wants to coach I mean if I, if he if he could make money without having to coach I mean I would much rather do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he ever will get a job in MLS. I don't think there's a team that wants to take on that. that it's bad PR. I mean, if you think about it.
0: I mean, who? It, it would be bad he, PR, Jake. I agree. I think hiring him, on, you have to hire him in, in three or four seasons. Not You can't hire him within the next two. It's too fresh. Everybody knows who Bruce Arena is in the stain. He put on U.S. soccer for missing out on the World Cup. I don't think you can hire him until after
1: after Qatar. I don't know. I, to me it's just it's just it, it 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 if so if Minnesota United were to fire Adrian Heath and replaced him with Bruce Arena, you Are know, you that's next I would I'd be so pissed off you guys. You have no idea. I do not want I would not want that guy anywhere near my club just because of the, the that the massive failure to not qualify for the, the World Cup. It's
0: toxic.
1: just I don't know. It, it would just rub me the wrong way. And it would just forever remind me of this guy who who had his head in the sand for you know a few months about how good U.S. soccer was and that he basically, along with the players too, took away a World Cup from me. That's mm. how I would view it. Yeah. I mean, oh, there goes the sirens again. But
2: um, if, let's say it wasn't the U.S. men's national team that he failed to get to the World Cup to, you look at his resume, what, like, loads of MLS Cups and – um. Wow, well, sorry, that siren's bothering me. He has loads of MLS cups, and also his resume. He took a team to World Cup and they went to the quarterfinal, and he failed with a team uh, in twenty eighteen. If USA wasn't on his resume, do you think you'd be
0: hired? I mean, sure. I I think it it is. I think his MLS success, if you're looking to hire the best
2: MLS coach, yeah. I would rather have Bruce Arena than some of the other players or some other uh coaching candidates available for his MLS pedigree, not for his international pedigree. This guy knows how to win MLS Cups, and yes, it might suck with a PR, but I don't think half the fans will care. Everyone has short-term memory in, in terms of that stuff. By the time it's what 2020, 2021, people are gonna be like. This guy, whatever, he's not gonna be my national team coach. He's my MLS coach, and I need to win games. And I want to win the MLS Cup. Hiring a guy that's done that multiple times, it makes sense. So I mean, I wouldn't get mad if a team that I followed hired him. Maybe I'd be a little confused because he is a little backwards in terms of the way MLS is progressing and the way he play, uh, way he, uh, his style is tactically. But I mean, shoot, man! I mean, the guy's a winner. And MLS is a proven winner. Now I'm not talking internationally. Internationally, he has made mistakes. We know that clear and day.
0: But MLS is a proven winner. What else can you want? Yeah, we'll see. All right, and up next, you're going to hear my interview with Houston Dynamo legend, Brian Chang. Very nice guy. Take a listen. He brought some insight into what MLS was like in the mid-2000s when David Beckham first arrived. Right now is MLS and U.S. Men's National Team veteran, Brian Ching. Brian, how's it going?
3: It's going good, good. Busy these days, running yeah. around like a madman.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you are, but you know, I was reading up on you, and you're the first Hawaiian-born player to represent the U.S. How does that feel to have that name tag to, to your name?
3: Yeah, it's pretty special, you know, uh, to be the first of anything, um, but Um, You know, obviously, um, you know, never set out wanting to be (laughs) a professional soccer player. So when you take all those things into consideration and where where I came from, and when I look back and and see, you know, that how you know, popular wasn't, you know, one of the most major sports back in the day on on the island. um, You know, I've come a long way, and uh, you know, kind of puts a smile on my face, and hopefully. Uh, showed a path for a number of other kids coming out of Hawaii that uh, they can make it if they put their minds to it.
0: You know, let's go back to when you actually started. You were the 16th pick in the MLS Super Draft uh, back in 2001. And what were your thoughts running through your mind going to MLS?
3: Um, to be honest, you know, um, I had a, a good tryout with the galaxy, uh, one summer, uh, in my, uh, when I was in college, you know, I think it was my junior year. I went up and trained with the galaxy for about <clears throat> two weeks and, um, you know, had a really good training session. So, you know, I kind of knew the level to expect, but, um uh, when I got there and, and, and then you face all the competition and day in and day out and you're not just there <clears throat> on a, you know. Uh, A little bit of a tryout but uh, you know there's the pressures of competing day-to-day and performing day-to-day um you know I when I first got there I don't think I was ready uh mentally um for that that jump in level from college to to professional level but uh you know so I struggled with that that first year and obviously you know my playing time and, and the stats uh definitely reflected that but i i gained a lot of information and i gained a lot of um i guess knowledge about myself and what i would take what i would need to be successful for throughout the rest of my career in that first year and you know although i didn't have uh, a, a great year on the field i think off the field i learned so much about myself and my approach to the game and what it was going to take to be successful and uh you know, so for me, I think that probably was well, it was the most important year of my career. Even though, you know, I got released after that season, um, but the lessons that I learned and uh, the things I learned about myself and and what I need to do uh, to be successful, I, I, I really learned those things that year and applied them um, throughout my career. And you know, a big reason why I think I was able to achieve some of the things that I did.
0: Absolutely. Now what was the perception of the league back then? I mean, what was your perception of MLS as a whole?
3: Yeah, I think I was kinda of one of those just wide eyed kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, we're gonna go, you know, try this for professional soccer. Like I said, growing up in Hawaii, uh, you know, there wasn't access to uh, you know, even back, you know, what was it twenty plus years ago that there was no um you know, EPL on on mm-hmm. the um T V every week. There was no, you know, Barcelona, there's Real Madrid, there's no, you know, PSGs and, and so you couldn't wa- I couldn't watch a lot of soccer. And and growing up in Hawaii I, I didn't even know about uh the English league. I didn't know about any European league to be honest. And it wasn't until I got to college that my uh <clears throat> my college coach in our uh loved Manchester United and was watching them all the time that I really found out about the European game and was able to watch it, um, you know, pretty consistently and learn from it. And, uh, so for me, you know, the thought of playing professional soccer never really crossed my mind. I mean, the league didn't start until 96, if I'm not mistaken. And that was, that was the year I graduated from from high school. So, uh, (laughs) you know, to, to get to the league, it was just kind of one of those things like, wow, this is, this is kind of fun. This is cool. You know things aren't um superstar status like the other leagues, but uh you know being a part of something that uh in its infancy and and feeling like you know you' were able to help grow it um' is pretty special and um you know so i i guess my initial um you know thoughts about the league was ah, this is this is pretty cool <laughs> I get yeah. to play professional soccer in the United States. <laughs>
0: So, let's talk about the, your time in MLS. You, you went on to, to win multiple trophies, individual awards, as well as team awards. But how crazy was it to see so much change in MLS with expansion, with new stadiums being built, with the acquisition of talent?
3: Yeah, I mean, when I the first year I got into the league, uh, 2001, I think there was uh, the the league went from 12 teams uh, down to 10 teams. You know, two teams in Florida folded, uh, and so competition was you know even even tougher. <clears throat> I look back at some of the the names on on the um, uh, that first team that I was on with the Galaxy, and I was just like. You know, when I think back on it, it was, it was some of the guys that I grew up watching playing soccer. You know, Paul Caligiuri, the uh, Alexi Lawless, uh, Eric Linaldas, uh Kobe Jones, um, Robin Fraser. You know, Ziggy Smith was the coach, and so um, <clears throat> you know, to kind of, to kind of come into the league when it's contracting and, and be on such a, I would say, a pretty legendary team um, to. To seeing it grow to 24 teams, and you know, it continue to grow, and and then you're seeing the success of, you know, the Seattle's filling out you know football stadiums, and and Atlanta, uh, new teams coming in, and you know the Kansas City's transition from the old uh, Arrowhead Stadium to this unbelievable, you know, uh, awesome. facility that that they have there. Um, you know the Red Bull Arena, it's it's pretty amazing to, to to kind of see and and grow and you know to see franchise values from basically zero to you know um, just to get in the league 150 million dollars is it's it's pretty awesome and, and and pretty cool to be a part of you know it's in the beginning it's it's not easy i mean a lot of the guys that you know played in this league that helped it grow and a lot of the owners that were part of it in the beginning there were a lot of pains and a lot of a lot of hills to get over and hurdles to to kind of get to this point, um, you know, and 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 so uh, to be a part of that, you know, it's you, you kind of feel like wow, you, you know, you were a part of building something um, special, and it's continuing to grow, you know. Mm-hmm. I would love to see it to, you know, grow in leaps and bounds from where it was, you know, till now. The same amount in the next hopefully, you know, five ten years, I, I think. The growth now is exponentially quicker and you're starting to see some you know some teams and some owners really get in there and spend money and and go after some exciting talent you know I think Atlanta's done a good job of, of building their team coming into the league the you know, LAFC actually has had a good start to the season this year and um you know it's exciting to see that that, that you are getting these owners that are they're really coming in and, and wanting to get those special players and you know, I had, you know, the galaxy stepping up and, and bringing in Slaton, and you know his impact in just <laughs> that just that first game was was pretty exciting to see.
0: Oh, it was it was a lot of fun to see. But during your time, what was the biggest challenge as a professional and personally in this growing league?
3: Um yeah you, you deal with the, a lot of things you know it's a lot of frustrations of, of not having things like they are today you know mm-hmm. i mean you know when you're you know in in the league and it's growing there's a there's a lot of pains from from the fields you play on to the locker rooms to the stadiums to the traveling conditions to, you know there's a lot of things that you just have to chalk it up and say look you know we're a young league and we're growing and this is a part of it and Um, you know, it's hard at times. You know, there, there are fields that we've played on that were extremely, you know,